right, I will explain. This is Geekology, a show where we geek out about all things awesome. Episode 9, I Can't Point to Continue. Hello everyone, and welcome to this episode of Geekology, a show where we geek out about all things awesome. I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Darcy Bernard. And we are joined by our geekologist for the day, um, Brandon Cole. From BrandonCole.net. <laughs> yep, BrandonCole.net. Go there. I don't do You'll this like very it. often, this whole hosting thing. You won't regret it. And we are going to talk about today um, mainstream video games and accessibility. And this kind of came about because I saw a brief demo of... I don't actually know anything about this stuff, so I thought it would be interesting to have a, an episode about it. But I saw a demo of... I think it was the PS4 and like Correct. some text-to-speech stuff. So I was like, hey, yep. what's going on with that? So I thought that we could have Brandon on to talk about it because I know that you do a lot of that, right? I, I'm, I'm kind of known for doing a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, so see, so you're the perfect person to have on because exactly. I know nothing about any of it. Um, so I guess we'll start out with a... Could you like give a, a brief description of um, maybe some of the games that are... are you like are accessible in a manner of speaking, and like how it all works and stuff, and all. Well, that of... that's really a super broad question. Yeah, really yeah. that's a broad question. <laughs> because it must be your specialty. No, um, <laughs> no, because uh, the games that we can play, although there are far more games that we can't play than there are games that we can. Even the games that we can play are still widely varied. I mean, it's it's easy to say fighting games. It's easy to say that because they're the most readily accessible genre. You know, you think fighting games, you think, okay, well, you have really easy 2D environments. You can only move left or right or jump. So you always know your opponent is right across from you. There's never a question about where your opponent is because they can't be anywhere else but right across from you. Right. So from there, since there's no question of movement, there's no question of knowing where your opponent is, you only have to worry about learning what sounds are, learning what the buttons are. And, you know, then just like anyone else, learning the combos and the mechanics of the game. So fighting games are easy. But they're not the only games we can play. If you're patient and willing to, to, to work with some games, there are other games too. Like uh, there are some sports games we can play. I, I, have, I have often played the MLB The Show series of games because I like baseball. And uh, those are sort of accessible. Um, they're not as accessible as I would like. But they are playable to a point where you can still be proud of winning a game. So, um, but uh, also there are music games like Rock Band. Music-based games are pretty much entirely playable as long as you're willing to play a completely different way than anyone else. Because with Rock Band, the sighted people, all they have to do is just watch notes move across the bottom of the screen and hit the button at the right time. They see the notes, so they have the advantage of not having to memorize the entire song, which is what we have to do. That's how we have to play the game. And uh, But it can be done. It can be done, and I've done that too. And there are some weird examples. Like, there's a game called Resident Evil 6. It's a zombie shooting game. It just happens to be almost entirely playable by blind people. 
just because of one design decision that the developers made when they were making the game. Just happens to be playable just just because of one little mechanic that didn't have to be in there, but just is. And uh, yeah, so th- like I said, that's a super broad question because we're also looking, we're always looking for more too. We want to, you know, we're always trying to mess around with new games, try to find more games that are playable. So, you know, no game just screams accessibility except maybe if it's a fighting game. We can pretty much guarantee we can play those. But a lot of games don't automatically say, okay, we can play it. We have to try it and find out. Um, yeah, this, 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 this whole topic is, is really fascinating to me because I used to do that. I used to try and play um, video games, but this is going back to the days of, like, the original Nintendo. Yeah. So, like, I used to... I, I had... I know the first... I think I had the first couple levels of, of Super Mario Brothers memorized, and I could do, um, you know, stuff on Mike Tyson's Punch-Out!, but oh, I kind of, yeah, um, I actually saw a YouTube video recently of somebody who was, um, they were, they weren't blind, but they were blindfolded and they got all the way to Mike Tyson. Yeah. Um, no surprise. It's, it's, it's pretty much accessible the way that it plays. It's just, you know, there are, there are actually, even in the, in the original Nintendo version, there are sounds for the different types of attacks and things. You can, yeah. you can learn the patterns. But I, I what I, what I think is really, really amazing, cause I kind of assumed or, and, and. Um, you know, I guess what they say, what assuming, but I kind of assumed, you know, over the years as these things have gotten more complicated, I kind of assumed they would be more difficult. And I haven't really, I haven't really done much beyond the original Nintendo. So when I see like the stuff that you guys are doing, I, I it's really, it's really awesome. Like I'm well, really punch out, punch out's a great example of it because uh, whether or not you know this, there's actually an updated version of Punch Out for the Wii. Oh yeah, yeah, and that version is actually, in some ways, even easier for blind people because there are more sound effects. Uh, the characters have voices, you know? So, oh, that's... Um, as, uh, as the, uh, what's his name, the tiger guy is jumping around, he's also going, ha, ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeff asked a question on Twitter that I was wondering about, too. Like, you said, um, if it's a fighting game and you move left and right and the person's always in front of you, could the person not move left and right as well? Or do they always follow you? They can. They can also move as well. And uh, in the the fight, in the more modern fighting games, the battle arenas are pretty large, and mm-hmm. they'll they'll kind of scroll along with you as you guys move. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more modern fighting games have also included, uh, you know, implemented stereo panning, accurate stereo panning. So you can tell by the sound where the person is. The you can tell how far is. away from you. You can tell how far away from you they are. Which side of you they're on, which is all you need to know to to place them in a fighting game. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. Because you said, like you said, you don't move in. You just move in two dimensions, right? Right. You don't move yeah. in three dimensions. You, if you if you jump to the right, you're probably going to jump over their head, <laughs> or at least try to. You know, because then you have to deal with the more complicated mechanics of fighting games, anti air moves that will knock you out of the air. Things called cross-ups, where uh, at first you're on one side during an attack, then you're on the other side. But uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's really now. Um, now, how do you? I guess how so a new game comes out. Um, I guess is is it just sort of trial and error? Is that how you sort of work this stuff? Pretty out? much, pretty much trial and error. Yeah, I mean, there is. There's also the the, the scenario where sometimes we'll listen to someone else play it. And then try it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've done both of those things. Just right. throwing a game in and tried it myself. Or 
listen to someone else try it, figure it out, tell me what the buttons are. It it eliminates a few steps, but you still have, you know, you still have to learn what is accessible and what isn't. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, and do you guys have like a like sort of a like? I know I see people going back and forth on Twitter, but is there like, as like other places where you guys kind of get together and discuss this, or like can kind of collaborate on, you know? Not. I mean, Twitter's kind of a Twitter's kind of been the hub for that lately. Oh, yeah. You know, when, when it comes to blind gaming, we kind of you know, we're not a we're not a we're not a huge group. Right. And yeah, okay, occasionally we find that there's a new one out there that we didn't know about before. Mm-hmm. But we all pretty much know each other. So we'll all pretty much talk about mostly using Twitter right. about things that we've discovered, things that we've found, games we've tried to play and either succeeded or not. You know? Yeah, yeah. I've seen you guys talk a lot about Mortal Kombat. Is yeah, that like well, the favorite one that, that's accessible or just the one that's out right now? That... Well, I don't, I don't know if it's – I mean it's definitely one of the favorites being a fighting game and being one of the most popular fighting games of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, we all know that we can play it and we all know – because Mortal Kombat X is coming out on April 14th next week. So that's why, it's, that's, that's, why that's in our topics so much right now because we're all so psyched for that game, like unbelievably so. And, uh, you know, we all know we're going to be able to play it. We're, we're anticipating being able to, especially with the new additional text-to-speech features of the PS4, we're anticipating being able to hop on, train with each other for the very first time ever. That's not something we can usually do. We usually, sure, we can talk about it, but this time we'll actually be able to, to jump in games with each other and practice with each other and fight each other right away, you know, and really learn the game this time. It's going to be a great and really new experience. That's awesome. Can you can you talk a little bit about the text to speech, what it's going to allow, and how it's going to help? I mean, obviously it's text to speech, but does it have yeah. limitations? That kind of thing. It well, certainly it does. does, and that's that's <laughs> it, it certainly does, and that's uh, that's why it uh, it deserves talking about honestly because it has limitations right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's fantastic that it's there. Don't don't get me wrong. It is it is unbelievable that text to speech is even on there at all. Text-to-speech is something that, although we've wanted it for years, and I said this in a blog post I wrote, it's something that we've wanted for years, but we never really actually thought we'd see in a console. And here it is, you know. And uh, But yes, it is limited right now. The first iteration of the PS4's text-to-speech uh, will read two screens and a little bit more. It will read your messages screen, which will show you all the messages you received from your PS4 friends. And it will read the entire party's screen, which is where you set up, you know, kind of group chats, which, you know, that's what parties are. They're basically group chats, but from within group chats, you can do other things too. You can invite people to, well, you can join people's games if they're open. If someone's playing a game online and they have an open slot, you can join that. Um, If you want to broadcast the game that you're playing to the other people in the party, there's something called share play. You can do that. Um, you can actually work with someone in the game by virtually handing over the controller. It actually uses cloud technology to virtually, you know, kind of hand a virtual controller to another player so they can play a game that they don't even have if you're share playing with them. Um, things like that. But the way it will help is the way it will help in Mortal Kombat is it will allow us to get into those parties accessibly. We can join group chats right away as soon as the game comes out. We can start talking about it as soon as the game comes out. We can jump into open games as soon as the game comes out. We can 
start practicing with each other using share play. You know, maybe someone figures something out and wants to show us how to do it. Okay. So they start a share play session. We spectate them. We listen to them do it. They tell us what they're doing. And then, you know, next thing you know, we're doing the same thing. You know, it's, it's going to be collaborative. We're finally, you know, because of text to speech, it's, it's going to be a collaboration we've never been able to have before. Does it cost extra or is it included in the PS4? The text-to-speech actually came with the most recent update, automatically update 2.5, and uh, it's an option that you just activate. It doesn't cost any extra. It's just uh, it's just there. It's just a, an option that exists now. There's an entire menu of accessibility features. Um, there's other things too, like there's button remapping for uh, people that can use uh, that can't use the full controller layout. They can mm-hmm. remap all the buttons to what they want. There is um, zoom, which will you know. Um, increase the size of the screen for those who can't see it well, but can still see it. And that also applies to games too, which is really nice for those people. Um, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch of little accessibility options too. Like uh, being blind, I don't know how this helps, but there's an option that uh, puts shadows underneath text, which I guess helps people who have trouble reading text. Mm-hmm. Just little, just a whole bunch of little things came with this update that uh, people are really, really liking in terms of accessibility for a lot of different people. That's awesome. But it doesn't read like, does it read, it wouldn't read like if you had a game with in, in game text, it probably wouldn't read that. No, it, no, yeah. no, not currently. No. Mm-hmm. What we're hoping is eventually once this thing gets, you know, fleshed out a little bit more right now, like I said, only reads those two screens. It also reads the on screen keyboard. It also reads the options in a couple of different places, but not the, it doesn't read of all things, your friends list. It doesn't read <laughs> oh. the settings menu of the system. So you can't use it to activate itself. Oh. <laughs> um, or change any of its own settings, because mm. um, it has speech and vol- it has speed and volume settings too. But it doesn't mm. read those. But anyway, Ooh, um, that's helpful. So yeah, so right now <laughs> it is very limited. But we're hoping that once it's fleshed out a little bit more, that Sony might establish a hook that game developers can use. Mm-hmm. Well, that would and be that really will, cool. Yeah, yeah, if if they do that, that will immediately make it you know make games more accessible. Right. You yeah. know, more will we have to worry about figuring out what's in every individual menu because the hook's there and it will read the menu to us, you know? Right. Yeah. That's actually, um, what I was going to, to ask if, if, um, like the setup stuff was there. So like, say for example, if somebody were to buy a, a, a PlayStation, if, if then it would, you know, if they would be able to get through the setup or if they'd still have to have no, either assistance no. or no, um, the PlayStation setup is still not accessible. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot of setup to do too. Like there's, uh, you have to either sign into or create your Sony account because it's basically required nowadays, especially right. if you want to play online. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to set the time, you know, all this stuff. And none of that stuff is, is going to talk for you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Is that where you turn on the accessibility features? Is that in set- setup as well? Uh, no. Uh, once everything is already set up, you have to go into settings and then to the accessibility menu and then activate text-to-speech. So you right. can't do it, like, you can't do it accessibly. You have to have, presumably, yeah. or... Well, yeah. You can. You can. Um, me and a few other blind people are in the process of writing a whole bunch of uh, little documents up, which their, their sole purpose is to teach other blind people how to do things, especially things that speech doesn't work with. Right. right. So, for instance, we wrote up a document for new PS4 owners because the text-to-speech, even as limited as it is, has already inspired people to buy PS4s for themselves. Yeah, I was actually thinking, there. hey, I might get one of these. <laughs> really? It's there. It's, it's huge. <laughs> That's a big, um, that's a huge deal. Like, Yeah, it's a huge deal. And it's already inspired people. And 
because of that, we're writing documents on, okay, you got your PS4. Okay, here's how you turn on text-to-speech. And we have, you know, where you move the cursor to do it, where you press X, where you move the cursor after that, you know, step-by-step how you turn it on. That's really cool. So yeah, because... Um, that and other things, too. Yeah, that, that's that's really interesting because, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, ever since... Because, I, like I said, I had the original NES back, back in the day, but I buying another game system is something I never even really considered. I mean, I've always, I've always sort of followed the, you know, game industry, but I've never really even considered that I would buy one of those, buy one of them. But I think that's really cool that it's, and it's, you know, we're just at the beginning. Right. Um, right. And think about things like, you know, the share play feature I described where, you know, uh, even if someone doesn't own a game, they can spectate it and even control it for you if you want. Well, all yeah. that's accessible. So imagine things like this. Imagine, Getting, for instance, the uh, I, I described the uh, the MLB the MLB the Show series, the baseball game that I play. Right. Well, that game is playable, but it requires some setting modifications before you can actually play it. If you know, as a blind person. So, okay. but but we can't read those menus. So what do we do? Okay, we find a sighted PS4 friend. Don't even have to be local to our house. We share play that game with them. They either spectate and help us and walk us through the menus, or we just give them the controller and ask them to set it up for us. That's really cool. That's really think of, cool. Think of how easy that makes things. Yeah. yeah. Is there any kind of... I know that you said that a lot of times you just have to... It's trial and error, but is there, like... Do you guys maintain any kind of list of games that you found to be accessible, or is that just kind of like there's, the users? There's no definitive list of games that are accessible, but mm. um, with what we're trying to do now, um, I think we're going to start providing guides to games that um, that we can play like you know there's never going to be there's probably never going to be a list of you know every single game that's playable because like i said since it is so much trial and error we don't really know unless we try every single game so that's a lot um, of games (laughs) right that's a lot of that's that's hundreds and thousands of games right and i have to imagine that it's sort of like accessibility of software in general that it's it's sort of a relative term like what's accessible to you might not be to someone else and vice versa like yeah there's there's certainly some usability stuff there There's, there's definitely patient stuff there too like yeah. I would say, I can actually think of an example of that. I would say that there's a, there's a role-playing game called Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. I would say that, that that game's almost entirely accessible. Really? But I know people would disagree with me because although I'm patient enough to keep wandering around in the same places trying to find the next place to go, um, other people might not be. And there's no easy navigation technique in Final Fantasy X. You just have to kind of... There's a few patterns that the play, that the environments in that game use, and you have to use that knowledge to figure out where you're supposed to go next. And if that doesn't work, you basically just have to wander until you just happen to find it. So there, there's a lot of patience there. But if you are patient enough and you do try it, you can pretty much play the game because the combat is all menu-based. Mm-hmm. As long okay. as you're willing to memorize a few menus, yeah, you're pretty much golden. Right. But, you know, some people would disagree. They would say it's not accessible because we can't, you know, there's there's nothing to tell us where we are, you know. Yeah. It is definitely a, you know, subjective thing. Well, I know a game that um, I would absolutely love to play, I've heard, is not accessible, and that's Portal. Yeah, that's <laughs> definitely not accessible. That's like the anti-accessibility <laughs> right there. Well, because there's, yeah. Do you, like... Can you tell by, like, if you watch someone play the game or 
if you read the game description, can you sort of get an idea of whether it's going to be playable or not? Or do you just you have can, to get it? You can get an idea, but you can also be very wrong and very easily. Because um, the example that I gave, Resident Evil 6, is accessible because of one design decision that the developers made, but I didn't know about it until I actually tried it myself. Mm-hmm. I totally dismissed it because zombie shooter, that doesn't scream accessibility at me. And yeah. even listening, even listening to it, you're hearing the characters navigate through these different areas and, and do all these different things. And, you know, you don't think that, you know, it, it doesn't sound like a game that we can play. And yet, because they did one thing, it actually is. So what did they do? All right, I will explain. <laughs> there is, okay, it's, it's not too long an explanation. I just wanted to, <laughs> just wanted to make sure that, uh, that it, that's, that's what you wanted. Oh, um, yeah, no, <laughs> that's what I want. So, okay, so... There's a button in Resident Evil 6 that brings up your character's PDA. When their PDA is on screen, uh, your map is on screen. So that's why the sighted people would use it. They would use it to look at the map, and the, the map has an arrow that points to their next objective. That's all well and good, but we can't see that. However, however, when you bring up the PDA, the game also points the camera in the direction of your next objective and... When you press forward on the thumbstick, when you push that thumbstick forward, your character walks in whichever direction the camera is pointing. Okay. So just That's by, awesome. Yeah. So, so just by holding the PDA button and walking forward, you'll automatically walk to your next objective. Oh, wow. That's cool. And it gets even better. Mm-hmm. When you're playing online cooperatively with someone, there's another button that you can press uh, if you don't know where they are, if they're, if they're too far away from you. Uh, and it will point the camera at them. So you can actually use that button as a follow button, basically, because if you hold that button down and move forward, you will move step for step along with them. Wow. That's cool. Yep. That's awesome. And they didn't have to do that. Like, you know, yeah. they could have just left it at the map. You know, the map's pointing at the your next objective, so that's all you really need, right? Because you're sighted, and you can totally see the arrow. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just so happen I, to make the camera point that way too. I assume that's just sort of a convenience feature yeah. for people. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, it's it's you know, you, I can see the the from a sighted person's perspective on it. Okay, you can see the arrow on your map, but also here is the actual direction you're supposed to go. You're supposed to go down that corner or that one. You know, right? right. It gives a more direct view of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so yeah from a sighted person's perspective, I can totally see why they did it. It's not like it's not like they did it for blind people. It just happens to help us out. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's cool. I have to imagine that's been the case, you know, most of the time. Or I'm sure that you know. Yeah, very rarely. Probably are are, are not even on their radar. In yeah. I, w- I would have to guess in a lot of instances. In a lot of instances, yes, but in in a few, uh, there have been recently a few developers that have uh, given us a a nod, um, and in a lot of good ways too. Uh, in fact, the developers of the next Mortal Kombat game gave us some help with their previous game. Uh, yeah. their, pre- their previous game was called Injustice Gods Among Us, and it was a fighting game based on the DC universe. Okay. And in that game, um, I'll, tell, I'll tell the whole story. There was a guy, there, there is a guy, his name's Carlos Vasquez. He went to Evo, which is the uh, international fighting game tournament, like the biggest one of all time. It takes place in Japan. Mm-hmm. And he went there as a professional fighting gamer, basically. A tournament-level fighting gamer. That's what he does. 
He's really good. He's a really good. Uh, he's really good at fighting games, and he's totally blind. So he went there, and he didn't win, but he did very well in I think two or three matches there. And and he was playing Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Nine, the previous Mortal Kombat game. And afterwards, he was approached by NetherRealm, the creators of Mortal Kombat, and say, and they said, "Hey, we were pretty impressed with what you did. Is there anything that we can do to make our current game Injustice more accessible to you?" And he said yes, and he told them, and they did it. And basically what they've done is, in Injustice, during the fight, there are interactive objects, things that you can interact with. Uh, different characters interact with them in different ways. Like if you're a power guy, you can pick things up and throw them at your opponent. You know, Or if you're a gadget guy, you can shoot missiles from the Batmobile in the Batcave. Things like that. Um, and those interactables, we couldn't really tell when we were near enough to interact with one. But because of Carlos's input, they added and they called it accessibility mode. And what it does, all it does, and yet, and yet it's so huge. It does one thing, but it's so huge. All it does is add two tones to the game. One tone that will play every second when we're when you are standing near an object. Another tone when your opponent is standing near an object that can be interacted with. So if you hear the tone that says your opponent's standing in front of one, you know to move because they're probably about to use something on you. Or if you hear the tone that says you're standing in front of one, you can use it on them. It's just that is so huge, you know, because it helps us in in fights that we we you know we play in that game online or or even against the computer. It just it's a big help because those things hurt a lot in most cases. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> okay. Imagine. And so uh, there's oh, go somewhere. there's there's another game uh, made by an independent developer. It's also a fighting game. It's called Skullgirls. That game gave us an even bigger nod, in my opinion. And yet, it's funny because, according to what I've heard, this this feature they added for us took like, I think it was something like two or three minutes of coding. But what they did was, on the PC version of the game, they added in a configurable option that sent all the game's text to the clipboard. If you turned on that option and then used a clipboard reader, which is a separate download, I think uh, it interfaces with NVDA, if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, if, you, if you have that coupled with the, the option in the game, then the menus and everything, every, every bit of text in the game becomes accessible. Because every time new information is sent to the clipboard, it's read aloud. So every time text was displayed, it was sent to the clipboard and therefore read aloud. So as you move through a menu all the menu choices were read aloud. As you went through the tutorial, everything was read aloud. As you went through the story mode, all the text in the story mode was read aloud. Just that one feature, and the whole game went from about, I'd say, 95% accessible to 100%, just like that. That's really cool. Oh, that, that's really awesome. Now, is there any kind of lag doing that? Like, when, like you know, going to the clipboard and then this thing reading it, or is it pretty much... No, it's, it's actually really fast. Uh, it's pretty much instantaneous. It sends the text immediately. Like it might even send it before it hits the screen. I don't know exactly when the game sends it to the clipboard, but you know it sends it almost immediately, and it's it's read right there. So, I mean that that application, it's the it's a clipboard reader application, is is constantly waiting for new text to be sent to the clipboard. So you don't have to press any additional buttons or anything. It's just automatically done. That's really cool. So now, uh, would you say it's primarily because obviously that you're playing on PC? Um, do you guys tend to, to use all the major systems? I imagine now you're probably doing a lot with the PS4 because of the accessibility, but right. 
you guys do much with with Xbox or or Wii U or anything like that? Um, not so much with the Wii U. The blind have pretty much avoided the Wii U and honestly, uh, most of Nintendo for a long while now. Yeah, it kind of seems that way. Yeah, because overall, except with the exception of Punch Out, their uh, their games don't rate very highly in the accessibility department because they require so much different, you know, many different things like the Wii U with the touchpad and everything like that. You're right. required to to draw things on the touchpad, things like that. So it's it uh, it kind of rules it out, especially if it's a timed thing. Mm-hmm. And but with you know, Punch Out was great, but other than that, it's uh, it's not a very accessible system, and even navigation on those Nintendo systems is not easy. I remember um, I played with uh, a Wii a few times, and I could you know play some of the sports like the Wii Sports games. But they were a pain to get to. Like, it was really... Yeah. That's the problem. The menu was so was not user-friendly for blind people. Because right. yeah, you, you had to point to it, right? With the, with the yeah, Wiimote? You to, yeah. yeah. Basically, so, you had a cursor that you were moving on screen as you moved the Wiimote. Right. Yeah. And it was difficult. <laughs> In a manner of speaking. Yeah, because I remember you really felt like you accomplished something when you actually got the game to Yes, I selected the correct game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I yeah. don't think I want to play it anymore. I'm going <laughs> to... Right, that only took half an hour, I think. Yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of timing, like with those games, you had to kind of just guess and time and yeah, yeah. Because we used to Holly and I used to play the the tennis on there sometimes, and we oh, you yeah. know be successful for a little bit, a few hands, <laughs> and that would be it. But it was kind of fun, but it was um, it was a lot to get there. Too. Yeah, it still has its moments of fun. It's it's just not if you're if you're a blind person playing by yourself, it's just like it's it's tough. It's yeah. really tough. Yeah, yeah. That one was a lot of fun. The the we. The Wii with like Wii Sports was was a lot of fun if you had sighted people to play with. Like I, you know, played the bowling game. Yeah, so did and I. And that was kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're blind, the bowling game is virtually impossible because you can't tell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just know, okay, hit something and some pins went down, and that's all I got. Yeah. Hooray! Yeah. I got a score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It caused something to happen. <laughs> I can't get any more scores because. Because now I don't know where where I need to move. <laughs> I can't I can't point at the word continue. continue. Yeah, <laughs> that's true too. Oh, yeah. But now how about, how about the the Xbox? They know they have that whole Connect thing now. Is that at all? The Connect actually helps. Oh yeah. Because the Xbox's uh, library of voice commands is stunning. Like you can do so much with your voice on the Xbox. It's it's fantastic and. The uh, app for the iPhone for the Xbox called Smart Glass is also a huge help because you can actually use it to do multiple things, including launch games. Oh, really? Yeah, launch games on the Xbox with your, your phone, basically. That's, that's pretty cool. And these days, both the PlayStation and Xbox stores are accessible, too, from the web. So you can even browse stores, buy things, and put them in your download queue all without, without sighted assistance. Oh, really? That's cool. Yep. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Like, um, cause I know, um, I know with the with the Wii, I remember that you pretty much had to do everything on the Wii. So, it, like, you know, to buy right. stuff and everything. So, yeah, because they wanted the store to be all animated and cute and whatnot. Yeah, but I will say this: I actually have to give the Wii U uh, a little bit of a nod here, because although it's not really an accessible console, mm-hmm. the stuff they do with the Wii U store is awesome. Like, they can change it. Like really dynamically, uh, for instance, when um, there was a there was a Zelda game that came out, it was a it was it wasn't exactly a 
an original Zelda game. It wasn't like a Zelda dungeon game like most Zelda games are. It was a Zelda Dynasty Warriors style uh, beat 'em up game that came out. And the day that the day that game came out, we bought that game online. We bought it through the Wii U store. Mm-hmm. When we went into the store to go buy it, the entire store theme was gone, replaced by the Zelda theme. Oh yeah. It was awesome. That's cool. And they, they did the same thing around Christmas too. There was a there was Christmas music playing when you went to the store. It's it's really neat the dynamic stuff they do. But other than that, <laughs> you guys yes. are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the um the kind of games I like are the sort of more uh like story based games. So I don't yeah. know how many of those would actually because it sounds like a lot of the fighting games and stuff are accessible, but I don't know. Well, how many. what about? What about fighting story-based games? Maybe. I haven't pl- played a lot Cause, of those. Because I will say this. I'll say two things. I'll say that uh, Mortal Kombat and Injustice both have incredible stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mortal Kombat X, which is you know the, one that's, the new one that's coming out, is set to also have an incredible story mode. And the story modes of those games are you go through a story, a full-length story, like six or seven hour long story, mm-hmm. and you go through different fights. You, know, you go from fight to fight with cutscenes in between that, that you know tell the story. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of an accessible story mode. Another game. There's another game, another another fighting game called Blaze Blue. Uh, and that game is actually kind of a little famous because that game, each each uh, version of that game has about a thirty hour story. Wow. Wow. It's all accessible because it's all done through dialogue and cutscenes uh, between fights. Mm-hmm. So hmm. it is technically story based, but it's also a fighting game. Interesting. And um, presumably, all that dialogue is is spoken, right? Is all voiced? Yes. Yeah. 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 All voiced. That's cool. A lot of work for the voice actors out there. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that was obviously the a big change from, like I said, when I used to mess around with with the NES because. You were lucky if you got any <laughs> any audio at all, any voice at all in those things. Um, it was such a short clip. Yeah. Like Days of Thunder, I remember for the NES, used to have uh, a few uh, vocal, uh, you know, voice recordings in it. Yeah. But it was mostly like when you lost. It was like, nice try, buddy. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the entire voice <clears throat> dialogue for the game. I remember the one game I had for the NES. It was, um, uh, it was like that track and field too. And I remember it was like, basically it was like, disqualify like, oh all right well <laughs> hey you talked yeah wow that's so <laughs> impressive but now it's like hours and hours and hours of voice recording for these some of these games it's amazing yeah that's i remember I, I remember with that game i used to have because you were like back then they had um they didn't have any way to save your progress so they'd give you those those continue codes that you yeah, yeah. In. passwords oh, yeah oh boy and i remember having having brailed out like all like the menu screens and the password screens and stuff, <laughs> so I can't remember what they are. Nice, nice. <laughs> but uh, nice. and that those games, that game was was pretty playable because most of the the events and stuff were just like patterns, you know. Yeah. Like, um, like the I think running was just button taps, wasn't it? Yeah, and the swimming yeah, was like that too. You just mash the two buttons. As yeah, fast. that's what I thought. That's what as I thought. That you could. Yeah. And like I remember that the hammer throw, you did kind of a circle. With the the, the oh, D pad, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. And then it, it would make like a noise as you were kind of spinning around. And once it, I think once it made the kind of 
noise a couple times, you knew you had built up enough power to, to throw right. that sort of thing. Right. Yeah. So, um, cool. Yeah. I actually didn't play that game. So that's, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Cause I remember a few years ago, I, I was getting into the whole emulate, like emulation stuff. And I was like, oh, I want to play this game again. That is a lot harder to do with the keypad. <laughs> the oh, yeah. I bet that was tough to do. <laughs> than, than on the, uh, the D-pad. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that you guys want to cover? Or have uh, I, have uh, I the age of accessibility is approaching. Everyone be prepared for video game awesomeness. That's all I have to say. Yay. All right. Well, I guess if, if people are interested in, in more learning more, um, where would where would be a good starting place? Like how would how would someone, you know, I get mean, into? Well, I mean, I'm a pretty good contact for that. Um, I've <laughs> actually, I've actually helped multiple people in the past start their video game processes. Okay. Um, you know, I've recommended consoles for people. I've helped recommend games for people. So you know, Twitter as Superblindman. Yeah. Email Superblindman zero one at gmail dot com. I don't care. Email me. Talk to me. Contact me. We'll talk games. Okay. All right. I love games. That's cool. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode of Geekology. I am Holly Anderson. I'm Darcy Bernard. And we were joined by Brandon Cole. Indeed. And we'll see you guys next time.